The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm your host, Ken Smith. Today, joining me in our studio in downtown Seattle, I have Eric Lair, Director of Research at Empirical Wealth Management. Hey, Ken. Good afternoon, Eric. And I also have one of our partners, Ethan Baroga. Ethan is a certified financial planner with a master's degree in financial planning. Eric has uh, multiple master's degrees, one in economics and one in applied mathematics and computational finance. Is that it? That's it. Uh, I nailed it. And I'm a certified financial planner with a master's degree in financial analysis and CEO of Seattle-based Empirical Wealth Management. This show is designed to share with you prudent investing and financial planning ideas. And today we are live, February 13th, almost Valentine's Day. I know you two guys got a little plan later, but um, (laughs) we'll talk about that off the air. And uh, if you'd like to call in, Ethan, why don't you go ahead and give out our contact information if they want to call in during the program or if they want to get hold of us throughout the week here at Empirical and maybe share a little bit about how we can help. Yeah, sure. If you'd like to join the program today, maybe have a question you'd like to ask on the air, we can be reached directly at 800-472-5790. Or, of course, you can always email us at, at contact at empiradio.com. And also, if you have a, maybe a question or concern you'd like to talk with us one-on-one about, feel free to call us directly here at the office uh, off show hours. And as for Ken or Ethan, that's 800-923-4307. And we'd be happy to talk with you about um, just a second opinion on your portfolio, perhaps, or a more in-depth discussion about your retirement plan. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. That'd be great. That'd be great. Uh, well, Ethan, today I thought... Uh, <coughs> We'd start with a little market overview and get right into a, uh, a topic of emerging markets, and uh, we could explore that a little further. Sounds good. And uh, and then from there, take it wherever you want. I know you had a couple of items from the vault you mentioned. I did have a vault item. I uh, was looking through my files here, looking about, uh, about a year ago, and came across one I thought was relevant for our discussion today, if you guys want to cover it. That sounds good. I would love to. Um. Okay, well, let's go through the market update real here. It's been an interesting um, couple of weeks in the stock market today. The Dow closed up again, 63.65, closing at 16,027 and some change. Um, so we're back above the 16,000 mark, Ethan. And uh, for the, that puts us year-to-date down only 3.31% on the Dow, only 1% year-to-date now on the S&P 500. Hmm. Um, it was up today about 10 
point five seven to eighteen twenty nine, and uh, so that's about point five eight percent for the day. And again, uh, for the last twelve month period of time, we are up twenty percent, over twenty percent on the S and P five hundred, the large U.S. component of the market. And if we look down, the, and we look at uh, for the year to date, we have large cap growth stocks up about 0.39, while large value is down 2.06. Hmm. Um, small cap growth up 0.08 for the year, small value down 2.6%. The developed international index, the IFA that we track, is down about 1.2.8% for the year. We are, uh, if we look at the IFA value, it's down. 0.91 and the EFA growth down negative uh, down point uh, 2.24% even so right. kind of interesting in the US market you have growth year to date beating value and uh, you have the just the opposite of that in the developed international yeah, that markets is interesting where um, yeah it's pretty interesting to see these asset classes emerging markets up today but not substantially up about eight tenths of a percent, mm-hmm. and for the week they're up one point seven one percent, putting us year to date up six or neg- I'm sorry down six point two nine percent. The last twelve months we have a negative nine point three five percent return. And I think that's why we want to continue to. I know we've talked about emerging markets on and off the last several shows. But I think that's why we want to continue that discussion. And the uh, talk about the the, the the benefits and uh, potential negatives of owning emerging markets and how you should look at that uh, in the context of your total portfolio. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> good. <World stock>. <laughs> <laughs> Just seeing if you're still listening. <laughs> uh, the World Stock Market Index. If you look at uh, the ETF, I like to track is VT. It's a Vanguard World Stock Index. It's up um, 0.38% today, uh, and uh, that puts it year-to-date. If you own a world stock index, about negative 1.33, and up 15.78% over the last rolling 12-month period. My note on that would be um, if you have a globally diversified portfolio, clearly if it's up, the world market's uh, only up 15.78, where you have the S&P up 20.36. Um, that would be important to understand what your longer-term benchmark and objective is there. And sometimes people get caught up with the S&P or the Dow's as their benchmark index. Certainly, you need to be comparing stocks to so- stocks. Yeah, sure. Um, not your 60-40 portfolio of stocks to bonds to the S&P. Uh, and then within those stocks, understanding why do I own things like emerging markets? And just because this last year, um, exposure to those those areas emerging and international may have, have pulled my re- my my return down below the S and P five hundred. Is that a reasonable thing? And I would say yes, it is for a large variety of reasons. And we'll get into some of those today. I hope. If we switch over for a second, Ethan, if we may. Um, to fixed income. So polite today, Ken. I like it. Well, you know, gold, (laughs) oh, before we do, (laughs) gold is up, um, for the week, gold is up 3.58%. Okay. And uh, that puts it up year to date 8.39%. Wow. So a very um, 
different return here on gold over the over the last uh, couple of months. Mm-hmm. And uh, over the last uh, that leaves us over the last twelve months uh, down only twenty percent on gold. Hmm. Um, so I've got a little um, article here from uh, one of the research guys over at Dimensional Funds, and they mentioned gold. And if we get a chance, we'll go through that as well. <coughs> it's part of the emerging markets coverage. On the interest rate side of things, <clears throat> we're still sitting with five-year Treasury. Uh, yielding 1.5% this week. It was 1.51 last week. 2.73% on the 10-year Treasury. The average five-year municipal bond, 1.17. And 10-year munis at 2.66. You know, five-year AAA corporates, 1.6. And three-year or 10-year at 3.26%. Prime rate still at 3.25%, Ethan. Mortgages, uh, 30-year mortgage at 4.28%. I know you're out there buying up houses like crazy. Um, Scooping them up. You probably locked in a good rate, I would assume. Indeed. I know you love real estate. You love owning it. Um, it's only a little bit of an exaggeration. Okay. <laughs> uh, anything else we, we, we missed here, Ethan? Oh, one last thing on that, and we'll move on. The inflation-protected treasury is uh, negative. The yield here on the five-year is negative 2.26, and uh, the 10-year has a positive 0.56. If you take the difference, uh, the break-even inflation rate between the nominal treasury and the the inflation-protected gives you a 1.76% inflation rate for break-even on a five-year and a 2.17 on the 10-year. Wow. So we need to have at least 2.17 over the next 10 years. The market's factoring in a pretty, still pretty low. Yeah, um, historically speaking, pretty low. The CPI seasonally adjusted ending December um, is was three tenths of a percent. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. If, if memory serves, I think we actually were up uh, about one and a half percent, maybe a little more, uh, all of last year in terms of inflation. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, still pretty low, though, historically speaking. No question about it. Mm-hmm. Moving right along, uh, that will do it for our, our market update. We have an idea of leading um, emerging markets clearly still lagging, and I thought uh, we'd bring Eric on the show today and uh, talk a little bit about emerging markets. So welcome to the program, Eric. Again. And, uh, Eric, I thought maybe we'd start with just, you know, it's, there's been a, I know we've had clients and prospective clients have asked questions about, hey, should we be in emerging markets? I thought maybe we'd start with a little little uh, backtracking on what is an emerging market. Okay, great. So let me just... Is it, is it great? <laughs> I think it will be. <laughs> I guess that depends on who you ask, right? <laughs> so uh, from Investopedia, the definition of an emerging market is a, uh, an emerging market economy, is a nation's economy that is progressing towards becoming advanced as shown by some liquidity in local debt and equity markets and the existence of some form of market exchange and regulatory body. So what does that mean? So these are, the analogy I like to use, I think people, when they hear emerging markets, they think of kind of these dusty villages with little thatched huts, and that's not the case. These are uh, industrialized uh, countries, Mm -hmm. uh, some of the biggest countries in the world, uh, China and South Korea and Brazil and India uh, are emerging market countries. So um, 
I, I think it's it's important to remember what we're talking about here. These aren't scary backwaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ethan, I was sharing this with you before the show. Uh, in terms of population, four out of the five largest countries in the world are emerging markets. Uh, so, right. Basic background on on what these are. Um, it looks like Eric, there are about twenty one, right? Emerging markets. With you were mentioning China um, being the largest by, and the measurement in, in terms of the the world uh, investable markets we're talking about here is by uh, by what ranking? You know, China's number one. Um, I have a sheet here that has each country in their weighting. It's about nineteen point seven nine percent of the of the emerging markets um, country weightings out of the twenty one. And then you have Korea at 16.19%, Taiwan almost 13%, Brazil about 10%, um, and I'll give you South Africa at 7.5% almost, so the top five right there. But what is that? What are they using it um, to define that? Well, you know what? Wait, let's think about that, and we'll start with that when we come back from this short break. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Did you ever stop to think that financial health can be a lot like physical health? The financial physician, Luz Katigna, has helped people on the radio for nearly 15 years. And now he's part of the Voice America Business Channel. By using medical analogies to discuss financial solutions, Lou actually makes the process easier to understand and will help you chart your own financial fitness. Tune in to The Financial Physician, live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, and on demand anytime on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. 
Eric Lear alongside Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. And uh, Ethan, you want to give out our contact information? Yeah, sure. You bet. Uh, we're joining the, the second segment of today's show. And if you'd like to join the program, have a question or a comment on what we're talking about, feel free to give us a call. We can be reached directly at 866-472-5790 or as always at contact at empiradio.com. Okay. Well, before we went to the break, Ken, you were uh, giving us a list of emerging market uh, countries as ranked by uh, market capitalization. And just to, to be clear on what that is, that's the value of all the, uh, the shares of their publicly traded stocks, for example. You know, if, you have, if you're talking about uh, Apple, Apple's market capitalization is the number of shares Apple has, you know, however many million shares they have, mm-hmm. multiplied by the price of the stock. Okay. So that's, that's the ranking we're, we're using. Um, and as Ken mentioned, uh, China is the largest, and I believe you said South Korea and Taiwan. Um, Brazil. But, and Brazil. But how much, uh, in terms of the global market capitalization, are we talking here with emerging markets? That's a great question. Uh, you have, um, looks like $41 trillion total in global for the global markets, and where the United States makes up $20 trillion, if I'm calculating these numbers correctly. Um, developed international markets, $16 trillion, and then you have emerging markets as a group making up $4 trillion. Is that So we're talking, you know, around 10% of the global market capitalization. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Is that what you were looking for? Well, both. Yeah, 10%. So... 10.39. Well, it's interesting. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we, we're ta- a lot of the population share is in these emerging markets. Uh, in, if you're including emerging and frontier markets, we're talking about 83% of the world lives in these countries. Wow. Um, about 50% of the world's gross domestic product comes from these countries. Hmm. And uh, yet we're only looking at about 10% of the uh, global market capitalization. Why wouldn't they use the gross GDP as a, a measurement for the weightings of the stocks? Or is that a reasonable way to look at it? Or, or why would or wouldn't you do that? Do you have an answer or an idea about that? So you're, are you saying why is... I mean, if it's 40% of GD total, global GDP are from these emerging mm-hmm. market countries. I guess that would be one way to weight it, in other words. That would be it. one way to weight it. I think uh, we're, we're using information from Dimensional Fund Advisors, yeah. and so they're more concerned with the equities in these countries. So... Uh, what you're saying, Ethan, is why why wouldn't you weight these by they like at the time we I was reviewing the a paper we had put out in 2010 about emerging markets and uh, at that time it was 10 it was 13 percent of the investable stocks yet 28 percent of the world economy mm, right and you're saying hey well you know that's why wouldn't they weight it by the economic numbers? yeah I just I mean, I'm not saying that we should do it or we Wanted that way, just why, why, why? So, a reasonable way to look at it, I think. Um, maybe some, some deviation of, of, of both would be reasonable. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, I think one of the reasons, or among the reasons why the market capitalization is so much smaller in these countries is because they don't have quite the, uh, the financial market infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have the, the regulatory bodies. Uh, you know, in the U.S., we have the SEC. Um, right. They their markets don't have as much liquidity. You don't have as much stability in the governments. Uh, so I think what what that that gives you in terms of uh, your your asset returns is you get a lot of volatility. Right. So people are reluctant to 
it would be it'd be pretty scary to have half of your portfolio. Yeah, it certainly is riskier, right? No question right. about that. So that's probably one of the reasons. So why I think it's not I think that that's why. Yeah, that makes good sense. You know, in our uh, the paper, you can go to our website, Ethan. It's empirical.net, and go to the resource section. <laughs> okay. And then there's a list of empirical papers, and this one was September 2010. And in there, we really do do a good job of breaking down um, the history of emerging markets, how you know we got to the 21 countries in there, the different characteristics of why they're categorized as emerging. And certainly some, we talk a little bit about the fact that, you know, it's 81% of the world population. It's, at that time, it was 28% of the GDP. And so a lot of market um, experts, you know, particularly before the recent underperformance here, so coming out of the crisis, mm-hmm. um, and even prior, we're, we're advocating much larger weights in portfolios, too, um, than, their, than their, the market weights. But if you think of a, uh, a standard index for the United States market, right, or they a traditional way or one way of doing it is by a capitalization weight. So um, it seems logical that you would do that, and I think Eric's point is one of the reasons you would deviate or not just weight by the economic presence is you know we'll get into a little more here. Is one is that. There's been research that's shown that that doesn't really uh, dictate returns anyway, and they are a lot more historically a lot more volatile than the developed markets are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely right. I, uh, one of the reasons that some of these countries, uh, emerging markets, frontier markets, any of the less developed countries, that they do have higher uh, growth rates in respect to their gross domestic product, other economic measures is because they have farther to go. Uh, you know, the, we're talking about US, the U.S., you're talking about uh, Western Europe. They had the Industrial Revolution, you know, a couple hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. So things grow faster at that stage. You, you've got more room to grow. Right. So that doesn't necessarily mean that the, the companies in your uh, economy, which is really when we're talking about equities of these countries, that's what we're talking about, shares of, of their companies. It doesn't mean they're going to be more stable, or they're going to be more successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's more room to grow, though, is the thing. Right, right. Yeah. So you're, st- you're starting from a lower base. Right, right. Oh. So, we um, now we know what they are, and uh, I guess I, I'd be interested, Eric, in, in hearing a little bit about how they've, what they've done uh, to a portfolio historically. What have the returns been in these if we segmented these markets, which started, what, in the 80s? It, um, yeah, but the earliest measure you're going to get for most emerging market indices is going to be 1988. Um, so I just, before the show, I pulled up some uh, some data for starting in 1994. So about 20 years of data. And um, let's see, so I think that was the... In the 90s, emerging markets, when they first came out, didn't do all that well. And I think uh, part of the reason for that is because, if you'll remember, over that same period, the U.S. was U.S. stocks were phenomenal. Right. We were talking 25 30% a year. So why would you invest in these uh, other countries if you could put everything into the U.S.? Um, so I think we're looking around between 5 and 10% a year um, in the... 
since the mid nineties. Um, if you look at the last 10 years, it's been far stronger. Um, for example, this, this is an index from dimensional fund advisors over the past 10 years has returned about 13 and a half percent. Emerging markets value has been uh, over 15%. Mm. So pretty strong numbers. Um, Standard deviation, so a measure of volatility around twenty to twenty-five percent. So they're they're riskier than U.S. stocks, um, but they in general they've performed pretty strongly. Uh, I think we have some ten-year correlation numbers. Another reason we like to use uh, different asset classes is because if you uh, if they if the returns are different from like if, for example, emerging markets are are going up when U.S. markets are going down, that uh, that tends to stabilize a portfolio as opposed to if you get assets that all move together. Right. And over the the past ten years, the the correlation or the measure of how much these markets move together between the U.S. large cap stocks and emerging markets large cap stocks has been uh, about fifty five percent. So hmm. they they move in the same direction about half the time. Yeah. So. I'm just looking at um, a list of all the different emerging markets ranked over the in individual year returns for the last over you know since 1998 here, and it, to express some of that volatility, I mean you had in 1998 Russia declined 83 almost 83 percent in a single year. Wow! Um, and that very year, 1998, you had Korea. Up 141 hmm. percent, and so we, our market people, might say, "Hey, it's pretty volatile, right?" I mean, we've gone, but if you think about from top to bottom in the last two major declines we've had in the United States, um, we haven't had that kind of a range in returns in quite some time, up between 141 percent and then a drop of 82 percent. Um, that was 98. In 1999, it's interesting because Turkey is one of the being in the current news as a potential trouble spot here. Right. But in 1999, Ethan, it was up 252% wow. for the year. A pretty phenomenal um, one-year return. We mm. don't see that happen too frequently in, in the developed countries. Yeah. So certainly there's a, a, a lot of volatility in these markets. And the fact that the range of returns, I mean, that same year, 99, Colombia was down 14.38%. Um, huge range of returns. And it's very difficult to predict from year to year, if you look at look over these returns, um, which country is going to be at the top. So I know one of, our, one of the ways that we invest is in a diversified uh, fund, uh, preferably a very low expense and tax efficient fund mm -hmm. uh, to get adequate this is not an area that you don't want to be di diversified in you definitely want to have adequate diversification across these different classes and um, realizing that at times and, and over this entire period from 98 to 2012 I'm looking at these returns it's interesting because the closest the one year where you do have a very um, clear theme here is in 2008 when we had the global financial crisis and interestingly enough that was originated in developed countries it wasn't out of emerging markets right so I know Eric has put some data together on the different returns um, over five year cycles 
And after we take a quick break, we'll get to that. But um, it's it's interesting to see how they relate to the developed countries as a diversifier. Let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back on Empirical Investing Radio. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S dot com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Are you a decision maker in your organization, a mid-level manager, or a team member? Stepping Stones to Everyday Success with host Kimberly Stewart is a program designed to provide you with tidbits and tools you need to achieve results no matter where you are in your organizational structure. Interaction is key, and you'll have opportunities to share your ideas, comments, and questions. Listen to Stepping Stones to Everyday Success, live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. Uh, start of our third segment here. I think we're uh, going to resume our discussion of emerging markets. And uh, Ken, right before we went to break, you mentioned that uh, there's some cyclicality in these markets. Uh, and I thought I would elaborate a little bit on that. So I have some, some numbers here. This is using the MSCI Emerging Markets Index, which is kind of the main index for emerging markets. And uh, from, as I mentioned, it begins in 1988. And from 1988 to 1993, that uh, index returned 545% cumulative. Say that again. 545%. <laughs> All right. From, uh, from 1988 to when? To 1993, okay. so over a six-year period. Wow. That's pretty impressive. So with, with the good, you got to take some bad. 1994 to 1998, it lost 38%. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So but if you sat through that, 1999 to 2007, it returned another 420%. Wow. And then since 2008 to the end of 2013, it's lost 5%. Wow. Again, these are cumulative, not annualized numbers. But mm-hmm. so, in, 
we have the uh, the data for the S and P five hundred over those periods, and I think the the, the biggest uh, movement you see over any period is from nineteen ninety four to nineteen ninety eight. It went up one hundred ninety three percent. That was the S and P. Yes, the S and P. That was right before the uh, the or during the tech bubble. Mm-hmm. So those you you aren't seeing these. 400, 500% returns. I mean, those are phenomenal numbers. Right. Wow. Puts it in perspective a bit in terms of the, the risk associated with that as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but sounds like to me, having both in your portfolio is a reasonable idea because they both mm-hmm. have a, a positive expected return um, and they aren't perfectly correlated. Yeah, they, they have strong returns at different times. Right. That's what you want from a diversified portfolio. So, you know, there's in our paper we highlight that there are longer periods of time, as you point out here, Eric, where um, emerging markets don't outperform developed markets. And meanwhile, over, over their history, right, from 1988 to now, they have. They've added a really substantial premium over, over the developed countries for the entire period of time. But there is a pretty long period of time. Um, you know, if you look at... 1997 all the way through the end of 2004, that period. I don't know if that's on your... You're breaking it up into... Um, is it five? Are these five-year periods? Or are they just... What's the relevancy of the time periods here? Is it more about the numbers? That you, yeah. Okay. So you'd have to have a lot of patience. And I, I think uh, the um, get to the point here. What that... What that brings people to do and what you see in the news media is to say, hey, because of the of these return variances over different time periods, there's a temptation to think that you can move in and out of them um, to beat the, uh, the buy and hold approach uh, into it. And there's a lot of discussion about the country-specific ri- risks um, in the general financial you know, media and um, but if you look at the track record of, um, you know, if you say, well, these are less liquid, these are less followed uh, companies which, which compromise these emerging markets, the traditional stock picker, stock analysts should be able to get in there, select the right stocks, the right countries, the right time. And the evidence, and when we wrote this paper, and I don't think it's changed, I'll, I'd love to get the updated numbers from you, Eric, but. Um, the five-year period from 2005 through uh, 2009, almost 90% of the professional stock-picking um, emerging market funds underperformed the benchmark. So, wow. um, and they their average performance was about 13.59% per year, but the index or the benchmark was 16.5% during that period. So, not only did they hmm. underperform. But they got a proverbial spanking by a, a large margin. <laughs> yes, well, amazing. And in just just um, by pure chance, you'd expect them to do, you know, better than that. I mean, ninety you, percent you, failure rate. Yeah, during that same period, wow. 60, 60, almost sixty one percent of the U.S. active funds underperformed the benchmark. So they still failed, mm-hmm. right? But um, it's. It's interesting that the data is um, not congruent with the instinct that, hey, this is an area we should be able to, especially when you have such high high return differences between the countries uh, or large return differences. So 
it's important to understand the empirical data on this before you start rejiggering your portfolio and what the, what are the odds that you're going against because it's not that any of these guys are not bright guys um, there there are a lot of potential explanations that we wouldn't have time to get into in today's show as to why this number one of them it's a lot more expensive to invest and I'll just give that in these areas and so not only do you have to be smarter than the rest of the market but you've got to be smarter by a larger margin to cover the additional costs of trading in and out of those markets and those stocks. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the the reason. I'll give, that's one simple and probably one of the larger reasons that these guys don't do a good job at it. So I wouldn't recommend it. Kids, don't try that at home. <laughs> um, learn from their mistakes and the other people, unfortunately, the other people's money who've, who've been put into these strategies um, and and the lesson here is that you've got to be very, very patient if you're looking to get a premium in return. Uh, do you have anything to add? You guys, well, you guys are looking around. I mean, that's going that's a that, that that number is it's perplexing. I guess. I mean, you you if people were picking stocks at random, you would expect that on average they would underperform the index by whatever their the expenses they were charging. And maybe any expenses that they generated, as you mentioned, trading in or trading out. But the number you gave was something like three percent. That's that means not only are they uh, not picking as well as the index, but they're actually detracting value. Um, that you know, aside from their fees, right? That's that's pretty incredible, right? A lot of people would argue that uh, the emerging markets are are less informationally efficient. As Ken was alluding to, in terms of, hey, the, the, you would expect a, a higher number. A lot of people would expect a higher number of, of folks who can outperform an index, given that informationally inefficient environment. It just is not the case. Obviously, the numbers don't 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 bear that out. That's it's true in the U.S. It's also true, especially true there. It looks like. Mm-hmm. Well, and here's another little nugget to chew on. The Lee nugget. Um, traditional analysis. Uh, the the conventional wisdom has has it that com- countries with higher growth prospects will generate higher stock market returns, and that conventional wisdom has been turned upside down by the empirical data and the research on this. and And we outline that in our paper. Um, I've got a, a blog here from recently from Larry Swedro, and I also have another article from Jim Parker. Um, who's a, a research guy over at Dimensional. And um, Vanguard published some studies on this. There, There is a negative correlation between the economic output of the growth and the stock market return. Now, it doesn't mean that countries cannot have any economic, positive economic growth. But what it's saying is, just like in uh, if we look in the U.S. stock market, you got down to stocks, sometimes stocks that... that um, haven't had great economic growth recently, mm-hmm. outperform going forward uh, than stocks who have. And part of that has to do with the fact that when you're buying uh, securities and you're buying, looking at forward rates of return, it matters what you pay for them. Sure. And right now, emerging markets, you know, for looking um, at them, they, they are relatively priced at a discount in two ways. One, relative to their historical 
averages that we've tracked over recent history, and two relative to other developed countries. Uh, as a group, the emerging markets are trading at a discount to their their historical the, the, those two measures. Statistically, it's been shown when you're buying um, markets that are trading at a discount, they have higher forward returns. So if you said, hey, first of all, I, I need to know if I'm going to be a good investor and include this, I don't want to sell emerging markets simply because the, the news, the guy on on CNBC, the talking heads are saying mm-hmm. one particular, two particular countries are going to have some economic problem or the economic growth has slowed down or because there hasn't been shown a, a positive link to future economic growth rates or growth rates of these co- countries. And Eric, you jump in here if I'm wrong. And forward stock market returns. So you can, anybody that's talking about that, you can immediately turn the channel on that. Um, and then that leaves, well, where, where would the returns come from? Well, hey, if, if we're buying them and we're buying them at a, at a time where they are, are, the valuations are low, the forward return should be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a tricky it's a tricky situation to try to time in and out of these regardless, even if you were using a pure valuation approach to it. I still wouldn't recommend trying to time in and out of it. Um, I, I would recommend that the, and I would suggest that the best empirical data that we have on this would say, hey, take a, take a diversified approach, take a passive fund um, that's weighting these in some reasonable fashion, mm-hmm. And include that in your portfolio at some level. So um, I know we're probably going to have to take a break soon here. When we do, I'd like to talk about well, a little more about that. But uh, until a break, let me, let me reiterate. Um, unless you guys do you have any comments, Barry? Well, I, I just getting back to, to the valuation story. Let's get back to it. And I think this is something that we've, we've really tried to hammer home a lot. But, um, you know, these are, these are good metrics for long-term performance. They're not going to tell you what's going to what's going to happen in the next three months or six months or even the next year. No. So you, you can't, as you mentioned, you can't use them to jump in and out of the market. You know, they, they have to be used in, in the context of a long term investment strategy. Yeah, we've talked about this before too. The short run, uh, there's a lot of emotion driving markets, one exactly. or the other. Exactly. Uh, in the long run, though, it really boils down to earnings. Yeah. For the most part, and, and that's why over the long run, you'd expect good things from, from an investment uh, in emerging markets as well as other other countries. Absolutely. All right, well, I think we have to take a break. We'll be back with our last segment on Empirical Investing Radio. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. 
Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. This is joining us for our last segment. And uh, Ken, I think you had some articles you wanted to cover. Yeah, and before we, I do that in our last segment here, I just wanted to give out our uh, number. If you want to call us throughout the week, get a hold of us at 1-800-923-4307. You can email me directly, ksmith at empirical.net. And I would be happy to answer any questions you have about the investment concepts that we're talking about today on the show if you'd like us to take a look at your portfolio uh, you know something that you have been doing and I really appreciate it Eric is is analyzing or x-raying um, portfolios and we've done that for a lot of investors shoot them back um, an overview that says hey here's here's where returns are coming from in the market here's what you have and here here's here's what you don't have um, to give you some consideration of that, ways you might be able to improve your investment structure. So I'd invite you to do that. And um, you can also visit our website, www.empirical.net. Yeah, if you just want a second opinion on your, your portfolio, your investment strategy, we'd love to hear from you and give you some advice. So what I was doing here um, during the break, Eric, was I was, just, I was reading Larry Swedro um, writes a blog on Money Watch, and he was a few months ago talking about emerging markets. And without reading verbatim, because we've talked some of the concepts again we were writing about several years ago, he's hitting on about, you know, that people mistake um, the idea that economic growth is driving the stock market returns. And uh, in reality, that's not what's going on. But that, um, you know, the, the fact that the emerging markets index lost um Lost of value last year has had a lot of people fueling concerns and liquidating investments. But um, basically, he was saying that the problem for investors is selling after periods of poor performance means you're selling when valuations are low, something we were just talking about, and expected returns are high. And investors often are failing to understand three important points. First, the lower growth expectations are already reflected in the market price. 
Second, valuations such as P.E. ratios are more important determinants of return than economic growth. Third, since market prices have already reflect a slower growth expectation, what matters to stock returns or surprises? Will growth be faster or slower than expected? Well, what is a surprise by definition, Ethan? It's something unexpected. It's it's unpredictable, right? right? It wouldn't be a surprise. So therefore, how do you forecast a surprise? Um, but an example, if China was forecasted to fall, growth was going to fall from 10% to 6%, and let's say growth actually came in at 7 mm-hmm. but you had a, all, all else being equal, and how do you say that in Latin? Ceteris paribus. Ceteris paribus. Ceteris paribus. Um, stock prices should rise as a result of that or jump unexpectedly. So you have those three factors that he's he's pointing out there. Um, and he, Vanguard did a study and they found out that these surprises in economic growth make up about 24% of the variation, hmm. um, particularly in, I would say, in short-term stock market returns. Uh, and the correlation is, is very statistically significant. Um, so... Anyway, uh, I won't get into the, all the details, but the idea that the, the valuation, I wanted to come back to that and just say, hey, if we ranked some of the common asset classes we're tracking and if valuation did matter, you've got emerging markets at the very bottom if, if we use the PE as a measure um, at about 11, between 11 and 12 uh, times earnings where you have um, U.S. microcap is almost 20 times, and some of the U.S. categories um, between 19 and 15. So, mm-hmm. and then Ken, as you mentioned earlier, not only are these at a discount to U.S. and other developed countries, they're a discount to their own historical averages. I think I calculated out here that uh, emerging market large companies are about 15 percent cheaper than they have been over the past uh, 14 years. It doesn't mean that we won't have a sustained period or, or a longer period of time where they continue to underperform. The issue is that if you're pulling out of them because of the current news, right, you're doing it for the wrong reason. We don't know what's going to happen. Right. But um, the, the best possible research we can come up with would tell us it's not the best idea. The better idea is to, and I'm going to try to put this now in the framework, the better idea is to have a, a framework of how you have exposure to different investment classes that makes sense and systematically rebalance again towards those. My advice would be if you have emerging, understand how much you have of it. Um, you don't want to have um, more exposed to it than you're willing to take the risk of owning. And I'm not sure that owning 100% emerging markets is the, is the best idea anyway. Mm-hmm or the most efficient way to design the portfolio, but somewhere between 5 and 20% to emerging markets would be a very reasonable amount for your equity portion. Mm-hmm. Within that, we would want to have the diversification. So I would not recommend buying individual country ETFs or exchange-traded funds to try to outsmart the market in that way. It's more likely that you'll take on more risk without any additional reward. If you get a little extra return, it's more probable that it's from random luck than it is your skill of picking those countries. So I try to avoid gambling with my personal investments and with our clients' money 
We're not here to speculate or gamble. We're here to invest and do it in the most prudent way possible. So I would not engage in that part of it. And um, I would also then look at the emerging markets along the lines of return in terms of dividing it between small and value, if possible. And so we've been dividing up the emerging markets in accordance with those factors or those return premium factors. That's a reasonable thing to do. I think for most people, though, if you're just out there doing it yourself, a total emerging markets type of index is enough. I think if you have an advisor that understands some of this or you really are interested in it, well, that's another thing, and you could be disciplined in the way you rebalance it. Um, That would be my advice around that. I would not listen to the current news or get worried, even if it continues to to lag, um, because in order to be a good market timer and be successful, you have to be able to get out and get in and do it consistently, not just one time in history. A lot of people come up think they're super smart because they they happen to pull out of the market, whether it was before the technology bubble or it was, hey, this last crisis I got out, I could just see things were really... Could they do that consistently in and out over the course of their entire investment horizon? I think that's where sometimes we're a little Mm short-sighted. And ultimately, if you look at, hey, we've gone through a lot, and if I didn't engage in that activity... Was there a portfolio strategy that I could have used in the past but also would exist in the future that would have done very well and very tax efficiently? And the answer to that overwhelmingly is yes. So that's why I would engage in that. In our final moments, do you guys have any stuff to add, Ethan? I, I would just, just add, I mean, to that, it's, it's, it's well said. I, I think one of the other main things is, uh, is the discipline about having a diversified portfolio and sticking with it. It forces you to, to do everything, the one thing that every investor wants and, and needs to be doing to be successful, and that is buying low and selling high. Right? By having a disciplined structure around the, the asset classes you choose to include, you'll be far more successful than if you didn't. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, every, as Ken, you mentioned, that when you try to time the market, there's two decisions. It's not just getting out in time, it's getting back in. You know, maybe you got out in 2008, but did you get back in in 2009 and get the, the subsequent returns? So, you know, it's 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 just it's been proven, you know, so many times across a long period that it's it's much better just to stick with it the whole time, instead of changing changing horses in midstream, right? For equestrian fans. <laughs> well, you know, we, with our final time here, um, would you uh, like to give us? You had a couple of vault items. I think we have about a minute left. Yeah, if we have a one quick, of them, we can, yeah. we can go through this anyway. Uh, from time to time, we like to take a look at uh, the vault, a little part of the radio show where we look at past uh, predictions and see how they panned out, basically. Uh, I love Emerging music, by the way. Music there for so this was on December 19th of 2012, looking at predictions for 2013. And in essence, uh, this is from Think Advisor, a little online um, a news source I subscribe to just to have news articles come on. Uh, we don't have much, much time here, but maybe we can jump into this next, uh, next show Basically, there are five picks, five picks that they, they tracked for 2013, and I was just going to give you the results. All right. Well, that's a good one. Leave them a teaser. Exactly. So we'll see uh, how accurate those picks were on our next program. Thanks for tuning in this week to Empirical Investing Radio. We'll be back again uh, same time next week. Have a great week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 